you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. So I'm going to start off this morning by just sharing a couple things um, about me. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how to say it, I'm just going to say it. All y'all are, hey Judd, good to see you. Um, Every week, it's like, or every day, it's like, it's hard to get started. I know a lot of you face that, I know you do. Um. I told my wife this morning, I said, she goes, how are you feeling? I said, crap. I just do. <laughs> just do. I can't. You know, every week I want to come in here, put a smile on my face. I want to greet you all, give you a hug, shake your hands, and I want to say, hey, how you doing? And I expect you to be real with me, right? No more pat answers. You know, it's like, great. Everyone's great, right? Everyone's just great. Everybody's wonderful. Great. And every week I tell you I'm doing good. A couple of you is like, okay, but how are you really doing? So every week, while I'm preaching, mind you, some of you are still saying, Pastor, you look kind of cra- you look like, like like you don't feel good today. I, while I'm preaching. <laughs> it's funny. It's, I, I laugh at it. But I don't. I don't feel good. And I haven't felt good since my surgery. I have good days and I have bad days. But the biggest part of it, I think we're getting to the bottom of it, is this. After my surgery, I was on the strongest antibiotic for that infection that the hospital has for nine and a half weeks. I was off it for three, almost four weeks, and I was back on the same strongest antibiotic that the hospital has for another four and a half weeks, three times a day through IV. So just that alone was almost 15 weeks of antibiotics. And then after I got off the IV antibiotics, they put me on another antibiotic orally at home for another four and a half weeks. And all that to say, it's messed up my stomach (laughs) big time. And so every morning, it's like three to four hours before I start feeling decent. I don't want to come in here and lie to you guys and say, hey, I'm great. I'm wonderful. But neither do them. And I told my wife, I said, but the hardest part is coming in every week and say, I don't want to tell you I, I feel like crap. But that's the truth of it. And so all, I, all I'm doing is being real to you guys for one reason. I covet the prayers. So I had test Friday. I got more test Monday. And hopefully we can get to the bottom of fixing this part so I can feel good in the morning when I wake up and start the day. It, it's just, there's good days, bad days, but that's the reality of it. And I wish you all would just pray for me. Uh, I need it. I, I just, days I don't feel good, but I'm putting a smile on my face because I don't want to be anywhere else on a Sunday morning. I've said it for 20-some years now. Coming to church every Sunday is better than Super Bowl Sunday, 52 weeks of the year. I love church. I said last week, my whole childhood, my whole upbringing revolves around church. It's not perfect, because you ain't perfect and I ain't perfect. I mean, the bottom line is we're trying to do life together and learn and grow and encourage one another in our walk with God, right? And to live out as Jesus would have us to live every day, and there's good days and bad days. But I can tell you, I need Jesus more than now than ever before because I don't want to be a fake, and I don't want to be someone that I'm not. And But the reality is there are days that just stink. And you know that, and I know that we all have days like that. But we're working together to get through it all, right? 
still do my duties every day, do everything I have to do. Just sometimes it takes a little bit longer. (laughs) But the reality is we're getting through it, and I covet those prayers very much so. And along with that, um, this week we had an accident over at the Rush Henrietta soccer game where one young man broke his neck. What's that? Oh, football. It was football. I thought it was soccer. McQuaid football. So a kid broke his neck. Anybody hear about this? And uh, so I know it's been hard on those that saw it and witnessed it. It was hard on the mother of the one who broke his neck. So I don't know his name, but be praying for him very much so. Be praying for him. And then also, um, yeah, lots going on. And uh, as we have said about some of the things we're trying to do this this season and this coming into the fall, and there's lots going on. You see there's pumpkins out there as we did last year. Encourage you to support Trail Life and American Heritage Girls through that. Um, elevating worship in, in our giving. There's envelopes in the back so you can get information for that. Take advantage of being involved with what God is doing. Don't just run from it. Don't just be critical of it. Get involved with what God's doing. And God is doing some really cool things right now. Several new families in the last year. I'm thankful for that. Amen? God is good. Let's let's highlight and praise God for what He is doing. And so, I've said many times over the years, when something's not working right, and if you don't like something, that's obvious. That sticks out like a sore thumb. And you can focus on that, or you can focus on what God is doing. Lord, as we come before you, I'm thankful that you're a God that's great. Greater than me. Greater than any of us. A God that knows more than we do. A God that is keenly aware of everything that happens before it happens. Lord, thank you for being gracious to us and merciful. God, we thank you for being long-suffering and patient. Lord, I'm thankful that you don't judge sin immediately and our wrong attitudes immediately or our sinfulness immediately, but that you're patient with us. And you give us opportunity to repent of it before you judge, before you discipline, oftentimes. God, I thank you that you're a God that has our best interests at heart. You know what's best for us. And you have our best interests in mind. You allow things in our life, Lord, that we would never choose. But for our, but Lord, we look back and we know they're for our good. Even the dumb stuff that we don't like, the things that we would never pick, the, never, the things that we would never say what we enjoy, oftentimes you do it for our good. And Lord, you're chipping away, you're molding us, you're chiseling us to make us more like your son. And I pray, God, that we would let you do that refining work in us. God, I pray that you would, Lord, allow us to have a right spirit, a right attitude as we come into your house, Lord. As I said last week, it doesn't matter who's speaking. It doesn't matter even the subject sometimes. It's our heart desire and our, 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 our Lord, desire to walk into this house and learn what you have for us, Lord. To be able to take something with us as we go our separate ways. To be able to apply what we've heard from your word so that we can become more like your son. God, I pray that this would not just become a duty. Go to church on Sundays because that's what we do. Lord, I pray that we come out of desire and a, and, a, and a heart, Lord, that wants to grow and learn 
pray, Lord, that you'd help all of us in our attitudes and our motives. Lord, that we'd want to be obedient, that we would want to be people who love one another, who think the best in others. God, I pray that you'd help us. Help me, Lord, as a pastor here, Lord, to, to exemplify this and to model it. And I pray, God, for every one of us, Lord, we're not perfect people. Lord, we struggle. There are things that we, would, we don't enjoy, sometimes physical, sometimes emotional, sometimes financial. Lord, there are things that each of us are going through that no one else may know about, but you know about them. And I'm thankful that you do, because you have the answer. You have the solution to everything that we face. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, your people, your children. I pray, Lord, you help us to be humble and gracious. I pray, God, that you'd help us to be a generous people that are always willing to help one another in the body of Christ. And, Lord, that we would truly want to give you the first fruits, not just of our finances, but of our life, our energy, our time, our, ener- our efforts, that we would truly put you first because of what you've done for us in all these areas. But you said in Colossians 1, Lord, that in all things you might be preeminent. I pray, Lord, you help us to daily die to self. As Paul said in Galatians 2.20. I pray that we might be like John the Baptist said, that we might be an image reflector, that we might bear your image well, reflect Jesus well in our life. God, I pray that you'd help us this day to be honest about who we are and what we are and what we do. And might we be willing to do something about it in the end, Lord, with your help, through the Holy Spirit's power. So God, speak to us this day and work in our hearts. Draw us closer to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 3. Can you imagine growing up your whole life unable to walk? Can you imagine that? I mean, just think how different your life would be if you could not walk every day. Then in a moment, everything changes. But beyond everything changing, here's even another question. Have you ever wanted something so badly, but then God gave you something better than what you even wanted? That's pretty cool. Uh, let's look at the story. Let's read Acts 3, 1-10 to at first, and then we'll see how this might be the case. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. 
You know, the Jews met for prayer regularly throughout the day, and new believers would follow the traditional hours of prayer and would attend prayer at the temple regularly. Peter and John were on their way into the temple when a lame man, a beggar, sought their attention. So I wanted you to notice several things. And first of all, from the story, I want you to notice the lame man. He was a man of misfortune. I don't know about you, but there's a lot that I'm blessed for. I mean, I, I have my health. I can walk. I can go about. I can, I've got a brain that I can think and reason with most of the time. I, I have fingers that work and, and so forth. And I, I can lift things and I can go places. I, I'm blessed, as many of us are. But can you imagine just for a moment the misfortune that this man had from his childhood, from the time he was born, being born unable to walk. Lame his entire life. Number two, dependent upon others to get him to the places he wanted to be. I mean, some of y'all are so independent, you won't let anybody do anything for you. But can you imagine the tables being turned, and all of a sudden you not only don't want somebody, but you are dependent upon somebody bringing you someplace, any place, whatever the places that you need to be, whatever the places that you want to go, you are dependent upon somebody being able to get you there. And I would dare say that they probably didn't have these nice, slick, handicapped chairs, like you know, wheelchairs that we have today. I'm just going to go out on a limb, but I'm just going to don't think they had those, or little motorized scooters. And by the way, if I ever have to be in a scooter, I'm going to have a four wheeler running through the buildings. It might be readapted so it won't fit me, but it's going to be powered, big time. But anyway, but can you imagine being? so dependent on somebody that you are literally unable to do anything unless somebody it gets you there. I'm just thinking too out loud. If I'm a man, I don't want another man carrying me. I just don't want that. But the bottom line is, he had to humble himself. So he's dependent upon others. He was not. And by the way, according to Leviticus chapter 21, he was not able to go into the temple himself. So he was forced to stay outside the temple. And then number three, in his misfortune, he had had succumbed to the idea of being a beggar to plead for alms. I mean, if you cannot work, you cannot walk, you cannot go certain places, he was bound by his condition to become a beggar. How humiliating is that? Does anybody want to sit up and beg for leftovers or pennies? Or I, I don't think anybody would choose that life. Nobody in their right mind would say, I think I'll be a beggar. Yeah, I know they got some panhandlers down in the city, but literally nobody would choose to have legs that didn't work. To be able not to walk. To be forced to beg for your daily sustenance. Practically, he had little hope of anything changing. Can you imagine? And he'd been this way. The Bible doesn't tell us how old he was, right? It just says that he had been that way since birth. Since birth, he could not walk. Since birth, he had to be placed wherever he wanted to go by someone else. Since birth, he had to be a beggar to take care of himself. I don't know how old he is, but practically, probably felt like he had very little hope. But notice the lame man's efforts in verses 3-5. through Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple... Asked for alms. So here he is. He sees Peter and John walking this way. They're going into the temple. And he catches their eyes. And asks for alms. 
In other words, hey, might you have some extra money? Might you have some, something that you can give to me to help me? So he sought the attention of Peter and John, and he gets it. And then Peter says something to him. I, I don't know about you, but how many of you, if you're being honest with yourself, if you're going somewhere, and you, let's even pretend you're at the corner of you know, uh, East Henrietta and, and, and 390, and you're coming up to the bridge, and there's always those guys standing there you know, asking for help. How many of you pretend like you don't see them? You don't want to look out the left window? Yeah, right. Because we know their whole life history, right? Because we, we, we stereotype them to know exactly why they're there. Um, but we pretend we don't see them. We, in fact, the guy's right outside our window, and we kind of purposefully look this way to pretend that he's not there. Right? We, we, we're good at it. We, we, we don't want to see those people. Because we know how they got there, we think. But Peter didn't do that. Peter was asked for alms in John, and he goes, in fact, look at the verse. He says, verse 4, And fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter, with John, Peter said, Look at us. He didn't try to avoid the beggar. He said, Look at us. You, you that are begging, look at me and John. Look at us. Look at us. I want to make sure I have your attention. That's something not any of us want to do when we see a beggar. Look at us. And so the beggar gives him his attention because he expected to receive something from him. And this is where I ask the question. Have you ever wanted something so bad? I mean, what did this guy want? Tell me. Money. But why did he want the money? Life. Sustenance. He wanted something that would get him through that day. I would imagine just for a moment that any beggar that's out there is probably not thinking, okay, I got this quota. I need about this much money to get me through the next week and a half. They're probably just trying to get through the day, let alone the week or a month. But they wanted something to get through that day. And Peter says, what? Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. Now, I'm sure at the moment, before that next phrase, the beggar had no idea what was going to happen. He had no idea. He's wanting sustenance from the alms that he's asking for. But he's wanting something to get him through that day. How many of you have ever really wanted something? But what you really wanted is not what you needed. Let me ask you a question. Let's just be honest. Did the beggar need something to get through that day? He did need that. But did he need something that was more permanent? I mean, think about it. It's nice if you can get a temporary job through a temp service. It might last a month or six weeks or maybe even a year. But is that what you really want? Or do you want something that's permanent? Permanent. You want the end game. You want the long term. You want the benefits. You don't want the here and now. Here and now helps, but it's not where you want to land. Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do give you, what I do have, I give you. So Peter says, look at us. And Peter and John promised the beggar nothing of physical good. Didn't offer him money. Didn't offer him gold. Didn't offer him silver. You might be saying, well, good, I'm just like Peter. (laughs) When you see a beggar, (laughs) don't offer him nothing. But Peter did offer him something that would change his life. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
Rise up and walk. So, you know, notice the lame man's miracle. He was given an opportunity. And can I just say this, practically speaking? Every one of you, without exception, have been offered an opportunity at this point in your life. You can go all in and put your faith in God, or you can kind of get by day by day on your own merit, your own strength. It's your choice. You see, Peter and John didn't break out a whip. I told you to stand up. Didn't do it, did they? They didn't force them to say, hey, I said get up. Stand up! Now! He didn't force them. He gave the beggar an opportunity. And he had a choice to make. Peter told the lame man to rise up and walk. But he took it one step further. You know what he did? He took him by the hand and helped him up. I think there's faith on both sides here. Faith that what Peter was doing was what God told him to do. And he believed God was going to do something, otherwise he would have never reached down and grabbed him. Right? It would have been purposeless to, to reach down and grab him if he didn't think he was going to get up with him. But the beggar also had to make a choice. Is this guy out in left field, does he not know that I've been this way since birth? Does he not know that I can't walk? Do these guys not know that somebody had to put me here and I'm dependent upon everyone else? Do they not know this? The layman had a choice to make. He was given an opportunity. Just like every one of you, every day, are given an opportunity to either trust God and to take God at His Word and to live for Him or to continue to live in the here and the now and just get through the day. So, verse 7. Notice this. And He took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And look at verse 8. So, leaping up, so he leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with him. He was no longer a handicapped beggar, lame man. The lame man leaped up, stood and walked into the temple with Peter and John, and not only that, praising God for what he had just done. Can you imagine? I just want to get through this day, but now I've been given the ability to walk again. God gave him something more than what he even realized that he wanted. Can I just say, I think that's the God we serve. Who wants to give us more than we even expect ourselves. How many of you believe that? Do you really believe that? At some point, you have to come to the realization that I may want this, but God has something so much greater than what I even want. And He knows what I need. The beggar thought he needed to get through the day. God knew he needed to get through life. And yet we're so often so concerned about the here and now that we fail to see the end game. Because you know what I find out in my life? The here and the now hurts once in a while. How many don't doubt that the beggar was hungry? I don't doubt it. 
I would probably imagine if I were there to see him, he probably had old clothes, maybe tattered clothes. Maybe he was lonely. Maybe he didn't have anyone that really cared for him. Maybe he was emotionally spent. I, I don't know. I can only imagine what in my mind's eye what a beggar would have looked like sitting outside the temple praying that somebody would give him something. Without hope. And I just know that God wants something more for us. We can get so caught up in the here and the now because sometimes that hurts. Anybody else wake up in the morning and you just don't feel good? I mean, that's real. Anybody ever wake up in the morning and realize that this illness ain't going away? Somebody wake up in the morning and realize that this financial situation and picture looks really hard. The here and the now always hurts. The here and the, all, here and the now never feels good you know, when there's struggles and trials and disappointments. You wake up and say, I wish my kids were this way. I wish my job was this way. I wish my you know, living conditions were this way. And we can look at a thousand things in the here and the now that aren't what we want. And we say these quick prayers and say, God, help me have a better situation, a better scenario, a little bit better one. And we're looking at the here and the now when God is saying, I have something greater for you. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? I know the here and the now hurts. And God has something more. But notice the lame man's new life. You know that people notice it? When God does something in your life, God knows, you know, when God does something in your life, people notice. You ever thought you ever thought of that? All I know is that when I gripe and complain, people notice that too. Right? They notice it. But they also notice when you're going through a difficult time, yeah, you're real about it, but they notice when you respond correctly to it too. They notice that. Look at verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. I mean, here's this guy, and you have to imagine just for a moment, is that, is that the same guy? What do you think? Is, is that the guy that we saw sitting in the other part of town? begging and now he's at the temple begging is that the same guy it says and all the people saw him walking and praising god then they knew they knew this is not i think it's that guy i know it's that guy they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him You see, when God does something big in your life and you respond correctly to it, it makes people take notice. People start saying something about it. Wow, did you see what God did in his life? I mean, he was a noticed man. People saw him walking and praising God. People were filled with wonder and amazement at what they saw. And pretty soon they began to gather around the temple porch. How do I know that? Look at verse 10. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. And now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. They all ran over. Because for the first time, this man who had been a beggar outside the temple was able to go in. 
And I don't know the full story, but it tells us in Leviticus 21 as to why the lame people couldn't go in there. But all of a sudden, now he's healed. He's going in there praising God, and he's out there on the temple porch that wraps around it, and all the people are running over to see what's going on. He didn't just get changed. When he was healed, the people ran to see what happened, and all of a sudden, this problem became an opportunity to praise God and to impact others for, for the glory of God. And that's what happens when we start giving God the glory for what happens. But notice Peter's response. We see all what, the, all what was going through the lame man, but now let's notice Peter's response in verses 12 through 18. Verse 12 says this, So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And His name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Think about that just for a moment. I didn't read all the verses, but think about this. Peter addressed the crowd and he says, why do you marvel at this? Why do you marvel? You you know what he's basically saying? He goes, why are you so surprised? Why, Why are you shocked that God did this? You know why I think it's no different today? Because we really don't expect God to do a whole lot. Am I the only one? I think we go through life so much in our own strength, in our own power, in our own experiences, in our own wisdom, that we just take on life's challenges because that's what we do. We don't really submit them to God. Why should we? We can do this on our own. We got this. Eh, it's not perfect, but uh, we'll get through it. Eh. Just eh. We really don't expect God to do much. And then all of a sudden when He does it, it's just like, whoa! But you have to remember this. God wants to do so much more than we even ask or imagine. I hope you believe that. That God is bigger than us. Substantially more huge than we can imagine. But here's the thing. Over and over in Scripture, it's not that God can't work. It's that He often chooses not to when you don't expect Him to. How do I know that? Matthew 21, when Jesus came into His own, they said, oh, that's just Jesus. Isn't that just the carpenter's son? That's just Jesus. What did God's Word tell us? He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I mean, if you're not expecting me to do something, I won't disappoint you. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It wasn't that he couldn't do many, couldn't do mighty works there. He chose not to. He said, "If you don't expect me to, well, I won't disappoint." I think we got to get back to the place where we expect God to do something when we believe that He's going to. Hebrews, what does Hebrews teach us? They that come to God must believe that He exists. And that he rewards them that what? Diligently seek him. You're not seeking him? 
and you don't believe that he's going to do something, guess what? You won't be disappointed. So does my faith play a role? Yes, it does. In fact, we read that. That he says, where is it? Verse uh, 12. No, not 12. I forget where it is. Anyway, it says his faith. His faith in God is what made him do it. Do you have faith? I'm not talking about saving faith. I have no doubt that many of you sitting in this auditorium this morning have put your faith in Jesus Christ to save your soul. You have put your faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross and shed His blood to have forgiveness in You put your faith in saving faith. But do you have faith that God is able to work in your life? To show Himself strong? I think oftentimes we don't even submit these things to God because we just don't think He's going to do anything. And if that's your position, you won't be disappointed. He says, why do you marvel at this? And then he asks the second question. Not only why are you in amazement and shock over what had just happened, he goes, but why are you looking at me and John like, like as if we did something? When God does something, it's not you not me it's him and everyone's standing around that porch that ran over there to the temple and was gathering around to see what was going on and to see this man who's leaping for joy and praising god looking at peter and john's like what'd you guys do he's like we didn't do anything it's not us as if we could actually do something no it's god who did this so Why do you marvel at this? Why do you look at us so intently? It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the God of our fathers who glorified His servant Jesus who did this healing, verse 16. And His name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Peter also addressed the obvious elephant in the room. There's always an elephant in the room, right? Verses 13 through 15. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go, but you denied the Holy... What's the elephant in the room? This man, Jesus, who you rejected, is the one who did this. By the way. This Jesus you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate. Pilate was willing to let him go, but no! You asked that a murderer be released rather than Jesus. You killed the Prince of Life whom God raised up. This man that you have denied healed this lame man. I think there's an obvious elephant in the room. You still want to deny this guy? You still want to put him aside as if the murderer is better? He's reminding them who Jesus is. He's the one that died for you. You killed him, but he died for you. And Peter reminds him that faith in this man, Jesus, had made the lame man strong, as you see and know or understand. This guy, yeah, he's who you think he was, that guy that was sitting down there begging. There's so much to learn from the story. Verse 17 and 18, we'll close with this, but 
He says, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did you also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his, all of his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he is thus fulfilled. This man who died is just fulfilled prophecy, but this is the man who is able to save. I think there's two sides to this story. Well, there's lots of sides, but at least a couple things that stand out to me. When I'm living in the here and the now, I want God to take care of what I want here and now. But I have to realize that God is able to do far more than I ask or imagine. He's a bigger God than what I can even imagine. And number two, even though I may not look to Him as the source of my strength and the source of my supply, you have to realize that He's able to do far more than I ask or imagine if I only would trust Him. The question this morning I have to ask myself is, do I really trust Him? Or am I just going through motions? It's really easy to live here and now because this is what we deal with every day. We deal with headaches and illnesses and cancers and financial problems and relationship problems. and We, we deal with all this stuff right here, right now. And we want an immediate fix right here, right now. Just like the beggar. His situation was different, but he wanted an immediate fix for what he was going through right now. And yet God wanted him, because he knew his circumstance better than he knew it himself, to see the end game. I don't want you just to be able to beg. I want you to be able to walk and work and go here and there and not depend. I want you to live life to the fullest. But it required some faith on the part of the beggar. It says, his faith made him strong. God's Word says that, verse 16. And what's going to help you through every trial and difficult circumstance that you're in? Your faith in Jesus. That's it. You're not strong enough? I'm just going to say, you ain't strong enough. You ain't smart enough. You ain't good enough. You can't. I don't care who you think you are. You can't. You need Jesus. We all do. But it's going to require you putting your faith in Him to do what you can't. But not only to do what you can't, but to work for your good, not what you want. God worked for His good, not for what He wanted. God gave Him far more than what He asked for. He gave Him His life back. What an amazing story with so many applications to where you and I live every day. And can I just say, don't judge the beggar. I've done it. Man, I grew up, if the guy's out there, he's probably strung out on drugs and you know good and well, he's just, if I give him a nickel, he's going to you know, take my nickel and everyone else's nickel and go buy another dime bag. That's what we think. But I've begun to realize that some of them aren't there for that reason. Some of them have gone through hardship. Some of them are suffering the consequences of wrong choices. But imagine it's you. You never made a mistake before. You're perfect, right? You, you, you wouldn't do what he did. 
because your sin is different than their sin. Yeah, I'm guilty. But I want to be better than that. I want to trust Jesus. I want to follow their example. I don't want to pretend. I want to be real with them. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. I pray, God, that you would challenge us, Lord. But not only challenge us, change us. Lord, there's so many applications to this story that we can learn from, that we can grow through. Lord, I pray that we would understand that you want what's best for us. You have our best interests at heart. And Lord, I think at this most basic element, Lord, we just need to trust you and put our faith completely in you and you alone. God, help us to learn from this. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and say, man, that, that, that story took on some new meaning today. God spoke to your heart. God's challenged you to have more faith. God's challenged you to trust Jesus more. To think about the end, not the here and the now. You say, Pastor, for whatever reason, God has spoke to my heart this morning. And I, I, I want him to work in my life that way. I want God to to show himself strong in my life. Would you pray for me? You know, like that this morning. Yes, yes. All over. Front, back, side. Can I just challenge all of you who acknowledge that? Just take a moment and pray. Ask God to be real to you. Ask God to show himself strong in your life. If you're struggling with faith and trust, ask God to give you greater faith and trust. Ask God for humility. Some of us are so stubborn and proud that we won't admit that we need help. You just think you got it and you don't. Just take a moment and say, God, I need you. God, help me. God, show yourself strong. Forgive me for my selfishness and my pride and my arrogance. God, change my life, change my heart, help me to learn from this. Pray. Just take a moment right there where you're at and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, my sin of selfishness and pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency. And Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to see your presence at work. Help me not to live in the here and the now. Lord Jesus, thank you for each one who has acknowledged their need of decision for something in this story, Lord, that spoke to them. God, I pray that you would continue to speak to my heart. Help me to realize, Lord, that even though the here and the now hurts, Lord, it's just a very small picture of eternity. And what I may go through right here and right now, Lord, is just temporary. Lord, help me to realize how big you are and how great you are. Increase my faith, my trust in you, Lord. God, I pray that you do it through my life, Lord, what I cannot do in and of myself. Help me to realize how dependent I am upon you, Lord. 
for all of us, Lord. We pray that we may sense your presence at work in our lives every day. And we'll praise you for it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.